Welcome to the Advent Houston podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. Good morning. It's an honor to be with you today. Um, every time I chat with Taylor, I'm excited to hear what the Lord is doing at Advent Press, and I'm so glad to be here finally. Um, I hadn't had the chance before. And for those of you that I haven't met, my name is Jaime Jimenez. I am an assistant pastor at Grace Presbyterian Church in the Woodlands, but I also help to develop church planters and churches and networks in, in Latin America. Now, today is the last Sunday of 2023, and this morning I would like for us to look at Psalm 103 to guide us as we pause and reflect on the year that is ending and the new year that is beginning. Psalm uh, 103 encompasses so, so much. Um, I think John Stott called it a a Bible in itself. Um, So there is much that could be said here. But this morning, uh, we will try just to grasp a few ideas from it. So let's read from the scriptures, and then we'll pray. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfy you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Obey the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes so that... Your word may be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, An article 
uh, by the Washington Post published a few years ago at the end of 2020. It was based on a survey where people tried to sum up um, in one word or one phrase what the year had been like, reveal three top answers of what people were using to describe the, well, 2020. And the words were exhausting, the lost year, and chaotic. But perhaps the best summary uh, came from a nine-year-old boy who described the year as looking both ways before crossing the street and then getting hit by a submarine. <laughs> and that's actually that's exactly what it felt like. Uh, <clears throat> but the survey had a second question, and, and it was this. As you look forward to next year, what are you hopeful for? What are you hopeful for? And I think that's a great question for us to ask at the end of 2023. I don't know if this has been a great year for you, and you can't wait for the winter break to be over and resume your plans, or maybe this has been a hard year and you share some of the disappointment or restlessness that others have also experienced. The people from the survey ask this second question in different ways. Some say they hope to be reunited to family, health improvement, and even political changes. Now, one person said that she was hoping to finally exhale or finding some kind of rest, but how will you answer that question? What are you hopeful for in 2024? When you start daydreaming or when you go to bed at night just thinking, what do you imagine that brings you joy and comfort? Maybe it is the great plans that you have for 2024. Maybe it's a miraculous change in your circumstances. And um, if I'm honest, I think I often find comfort in both things, my great plans and also change in some of my circumstances. But often, the goodness and the faithfulness of God are not where my mind goes first to find comfort and just be satisfied. That's not where I go. I am hopeful for other things to happen to find that rest and that satisfaction. But Psalm 103 can lead us in the right direction because it warns us of the risk of forgetting and putting our ultimate hope on something else besides the Lord and his faithfulness and his goodness to us. And because it reminds us of the reasons that we have to focus on him and to praise him and to thank him and to set our hope in him, and because it also shows us the way to be sure of our hope in him. So basically, this morning, I would like for us to consider these three ideas of how the psalm redirects our hearts under these three subheadings, the risk, the reason, and the road, or the road to certainty. But let's begin with the first one, the risk of forgetting and putting our hope on something else. We often give instructions to ourselves to do something in the future. We call them reminders. You know, we used to write things on post-its and put them on the fridge. Now we tell Siri to set a reminder in our calendars. It's actually Siri understands us once in a while. Now when we do that, <clears throat> what we're doing is we're giving ourselves an instruction to do something we must not forget because whatever it is, we consider it important. And in most cases, we know that if we forget, then there might be consequences. Now, here in the psalm, both at the beginning and at the end, David is writing himself a note, a reminder. He is calling upon his own soul 
to praise Yahweh. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David is reminding himself to bless the Lord and to praise him for all his benefits. He repeats the instruction six times throughout the psalm. So he wants not only his own heart, but the whole of creation to praise God. And clearly, David considers this important. But why? Well, of course, because God is worthy to be praised. Remembering his benefits and praising him should be the natural response to who God is and what he has done. But what is the risk of forgetting? How could this affect someone's life if we forget? The logic is straightforward. When we forget that every good gift comes from the Lord, if we forget his grace to forgive us and his loving kindness, if we forget his faithfulness and his goodness, if we forget his salvation and his promise to make things right, we will thank and praise something else for what we have, and we will set our hope on something else to provide for us in the future. We will thank and praise something else for what we have, and we will set our hope on something else to provide for us in the future. So not praising him, forgetting his benefits, is not a small thing. Forgetting sets our hearts completely in the wrong direction. And let me mention two ways on, you can see this in your life. The first one is called pride, and the second one is called despair. First, when you forget that everything you have, including your education, your skills, your relationships, your contacts, and every good thing that you enjoy, when you forget that it is all because of God's grace and goodness, you begin to think that you deserve those things because you're smart, because you made wise wise decisions in your life, because you educated your kids better, because you have worked hard for it, or simply because you're just so good for something. Then you begin to look down on others, and your comfort becomes that you are not like them. You deceive yourself into thinking that God listens to you because you're better. Forgetting leads to pridefulness. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, Moses warned the people of Israel before going into the promised land. This is very interesting. He called them to remember how God had cared for them through the wilderness experience. Remember. But specifically, he said, watch out when you prosper and your flocks and your silver and your gold is multiplied. Because then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. So forgetfulness on how God carried them through the wilderness experience leads to pride, which then leads to forgetting the Lord himself. Pride and forgetfulness feed each other. A second way you can see forgetfulness in your life is through despair. And as I mentioned, if you subtly move away from praising and thanking God for his goodness and his faithfulness, you will be crediting somebody else, something else for what you have, and you will be putting your hope in something else for the future. 
But anything apart from God himself is something fragile and temporary that will eventually crumble, will eventually collapse. So setting your hope in fragile things all um, will lead you to despair. But we do it all the time. We set our hope on what we can accomplish, on the legacy that we can build, on our skills, on how well our kids are equipped for life or enriched for their future, or even on what other people can give us, such as affirmation and approval. We do it all the time. Psalm 103 reminds us how foolish it is to set our hope on what we can build or we can accomplish by reminding us of the brevity of life. It tells us that we are but dust and that man is like grass. He flourishes like a flower on the field for the wind passes over, over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. How many of you remember or know the eight names of your great-grandparents? Okay, what about your 16 great-grandparents? You know, that mean, you know what that means? That in three, maybe, maybe four generations, nobody will even remember your name. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, it's gone. You know, but it tells us instead, where we, the psalm tells us instead, where we can find a firm foundation to set our hope. Pay attention to the contrast. Man is like grass. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. On the steadfast love of the Lord, there is a firm foundation. So when you look back at 2023 or hope for 2024, where is your heart resting? Or what are you hopeful for? Is it resting on what you achieve or worried that on what you haven't secured for the coming year? or trusting in your great plans, or is it resting in the overwhelming goodness and faithfulness of God? <clears throat> now, maybe, and this is how we normally do it, we try hard not to focus on those things that, um, well, to focus on those things that we call blessings that we, you have experienced through the year, but intentionally not thinking on those that were difficult. Um, but Psalms 103 help us to see even beyond those dark moments to the overwhelming, all-surrounding, always-available goodness, faithfulness, and love of the Lord for his people. Even when things are dark, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Um, Corrie ten Boom, probably you have heard this name, she was a, a Dutch lady who was taken to a concentration camp during World War II with her sister Betsy and their dad for helping Jews to escape from the Nazis. And both uh, their father and Betsy died in the concentration camp. But Corey survived, and she became a remarkable speaker. Now, she once shared about Psalm 103 and how it impacted her life. And please listen to what she said. She said, often I have heard people say how good God is. We pray that it will not rain for our church picnic, and look at the lovely weather. <laughs> yes, God is good when he sends good weather. But God was also good when he allowed my sister Betsy to starve to death before my eyes in a German concentration camp. I remember one occasion when I was very discouraged there. 
everything around us was dark, and there was darkness in my heart. I remember telling Betsy that I thought God had forgotten us. No, Corey, said Betsy. He has not forgotten us. Remember his word. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. There is an ocean of God's love available. There is plenty for everyone. May God grant you never to doubt that victorious love, whatever the circumstances. So do not forget. Now, this leads us to a second point, the reasons to praise him. Now, again, there is so much that could be said here. And I will actually encourage you to read this psalm on your own uh, and to go back to it as you're reading the New Testament. <clears throat> but let me mention here two things. The Lord says salvation and his faithfulness. First, Psalm 103 speaks about our salvation. A central reason to praise God is the forgiveness of our sins. David calls himself to praise the Lord because he is the God that forgives our iniquities. He has not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Without the forgiveness of our sins, we couldn't approach him as a father. We will be God's enemies. None of the blessings described in the psalm will be for us. We will carry our guilt and shame throughout this life. And we will be heading to a life of eternal separation from God, from his goodness. But in him, there is forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now, don't miss how the psalm describes our salvation in holistic terms. God intends a full restoration of our lives. If you think you missed your golden opportunity in life, don't worry. Whatever it was, it wasn't there. It is in God, what God has for you. He intends to heal all your diseases or restore you completely. And yes, this includes the healing of our bodies. Some anticipations of that healing, we experience, experience them in this life through medicine, through doctors, through miracles. But one day, the healing will be full and permanent. That's actually what makes the anticipations meaningful because they point to the ultimate restoration of the body. He is the one who redeems your life from the pit. Now, we don't know exactly what being in the pit means or meant for David, but being in the pit is a metaphor that we all can relate to. Maybe David was talking about the guilt that he experienced because of his sins. Maybe he was thinking what it felt like when he was being chased by his own son who was trying to kill him to steal the kingdom. Some characters in the Bible were literally thrown into a pit like Joseph or Jeremiah. Now, sometimes people push you into the pit. Sometimes circumstances take you there. Sometimes your own sins take you there. Maybe that's where you see yourself right now. Well, he is the Lord that redeems your life from the pit and turns things upside down for your good. So he not only forgives you, but he wants to make you whole. And his salvation is not just individual. 
The psalm says that he will establish his kingdom. He will reclaim his creation completely. He will purge away sin. He will make all things new. He will bring the nations to peace and rule with justice. We will get to enjoy life in all its fullness in a renewed creation. Your salvation is part of a bigger story of what God is doing in the world. And God wants to use you in that bigger plan. And secondly, he will fulfill his plan for your life and for the world, as he has promised, because he is faithful. Verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Let me pause here for a second. David is quoting here from Exodus 34. This is after Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to receive the tablets of the law from God. And then the people of Israel think that he's dead because he's taking too long. So obviously they forget about the Lord and instead make a golden calf to, and begin to worship it. Moses came down from the mountain, broke the tablets of the law, and interceded before God for the people. Soon later, Moses, overwhelmed with the burden of leading such rebellious people, asked the Lord to reassure him that he will go before them. So Moses, this is perhaps a famous prayer that you have heard. Moses asked the Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord replied that he cannot see his face. But Moses will get to see a glimpse of God's glory. So the Lord hided Moses in a cleft on a rock and passed by. And the Lord proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and truth. These are the words that David is quoting in Psalm 103. The word translated as steadfast love is the word hesed, you probably have heard before. It is mentioned in this psalm in verses 4, in verse 8, verse 11, and verse 17. And it is a difficult word to translate because it is so rich. Sometimes it is translated as God's grace, so it will read as abounding in grace and truth. Sometimes it is translated as his great love. I like the compound term, steadfast love. I think it's one of the best translations because it qualifies God's grace and love as loyal, committed, faithful, unfailing. Now, for probably for many of us, for most of us, the idea of faithfulness or being faithful is a passive concept. Even, uh, for example, even if you are not actively loving your spouse as you should, as long as you don't break the rules, you think, well, I'm being faithful. But this is not the idea of God's loving faithfulness in the Bible. It is not passive. It is active. So, for example, on Psalm 23, which is also a psalm of David, we read, Surely, goodness and hesed, God's steadfast love, shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, David says that God's faithfulness was going to follow him or chase him all the days of his life and even into eternity. You know, David knew exactly what it meant or what it was like to be chased or pursued. He was persecuted by Saul, who tried to kill him. He was persecuted by his own son, 
who tried to kill him. And he had to be on the run for many days, and he had to live in caves. Well, here David uses the same verb, but he's not speaking about Saul or Absalom chasing him, but of God's faithfulness chasing him. This is how the Lord pursues you, even when you try to run away and hide from him. This is how God pursues you. Even when you feel abandoned, his steadfast love that is as high as the heaven are above the earth pursues you, and you will never be able to outrun him. Now, perhaps you're struggling to see that right now in your life. Maybe you are going through a dark season, a season of hopelessness. Maybe you're full of doubts. Maybe in your mind, you're thinking like Moses, Lord, will you just show me a glimpse of your glory? Will you just reassure me, Lord? How can I know for sure that I can rest in your steadfast love? Is there a road to certainty? Well, there is. In the fourth gospel, chapter 1, John the Apostle wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then a few verses later, he continues, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Again, this is a reference to the same story, Exodus chapter 34, where Moses got a glimpse of the glory of the Lord. But now, says John, we have seen it in plain display because we have seen Jesus the Lord that revealed himself to Moses as abounding in steadfast love and truth has become flesh and dwelt among us. Now, John is not referring to a halo around Jesus because not everybody around Jesus saw it. John is speaking about those who came to see Jesus through the eyes of faith, who came to see Jesus as the one who truly came from the Father to give his life to fulfill the promises of the covenant. They are the ones that saw God's glory. The Bible says that all the promises of God, they find their yes in Jesus. And just reread Psalm 103 in light of Jesus' life and words, and you will see how it all becomes a whole psalm. Psalm 103 becomes true in him. Jesus is the one who can tell you, your sins are forgiven. He's the one that redeems your life from the pit. He's the one who offers you eternal life, life in its fullness. He invites you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's the one that offers you living water so that you will never thirst again. He's the one that said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He is the one that says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. And the road to certainty is by looking at him. Because it is in Jesus and what he has done that you can rest. You can build your life and be hopeful based on his faithfulness. And even though we are called to remember, as uh, Jackie read this quote from Spurgeon, it is not our action that we, on what we rest, but on his faithfulness. Spurgeon said, it is not my remembering God. It is God remembering me, which is the ground of my safety. It is not my laying hold of his covenant, but his covenant laying hold on me. You can rest on the fact that even in the darkest moment of history, Jesus still went to the cross because he is faithful and because his steadfast love extends to the heavens. And the more you remember this, the more hopeful you become on his love and his grace, and the more it will destroy your pride and your despair, and the more your doubts about his love will diminish. Let's pray. Father, help us to find our greatest joy and comfort in knowing your Son, Jesus Christ, the one full of grace and truth in whom all the promises, all your promises are yes and amen. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.